welcome to a special video edition of the CG Business Advisor brought to you by CG Tax Audit and Advisory. Thank you so much for tuning in. It is a special episode because we are doing a video podcast, which I'm sure you'll find on YouTube and if you're watching on cgteam.com. Hi, this is what I look like. You know, don't uh, let me be embarrassed. Nah, I'm fine. I'm, I'm not shy of the camera. Uh, but the reason why we're doing a video podcast uh, today is because we have a very special guest, Michael Oberther, who runs his own YouTube channel called Hard Lessons. Hard Lessons is a show where business professionals share stories and insights about tough challenges faced and lessons learned in the business industry. It's hosted by Michael Oberther. Michael is the Director of Business Development for Supporting Strategies, outsourced virtual bookkeepers and controllers, providing operational support services to growing businesses. Michael, hi. Thanks so much for joining us here on a video edition of the CG Business Advisor. Thanks, Scott. It's awesome to be here. Yeah, you know, listeners get to see what I look like now. I think I have to hide my (laughs) camera, though, and we'll just focus on you, all right? No problem. (laughs) So we talk about learning. And everyone wants to learn, Michael. You you learn from your mistakes. That's kind of like the theme here. But a lot of times people don't learn from their mistakes. And we make the same mistake a second time. And sometimes it takes a a, a third time. What's the the difficulty in that? How do you avoid that and and really maybe learn a greater lesson from making the same mistake twice? So that's a good question. I I can only point to myself in this, right? Because I don't want to accuse anyone else of having this particular challenge. But I think if you make a mistake one time, it's easy to look at it as an isolated issue. And you're like, oh, that was that was stupid. I should try not to do that again. <laughs> and you may quickly forget about that mistake that you made. I think you almost need to make mistakes several times. I think it does depend on the kind of person you are too. Like I'm guilty of needing to make mistakes several times because if you told me hey michael the thing you're doing that's silly you shouldn't do it that way i will listen to you i will try to absorb that knowledge and apply it but i think until i make the mistake again then think back to what you said that'll be the time that i make the change right so i i think making mistakes several times just part of the normal learning process i think the real issue is how you're thinking back to that mistake I am at times challenged with this. I make a mistake, things go poorly, and I'm reliving that mistake. I have to be very aware. Am I reliving that mistake as a way to learn and internalize the lesson I learned from the mistake? Or am I beating myself up for making the mistake? And that mind shift is really what helps me learn from something I did that was that was incorrect. I don't know if everybody has that internal process, but that is mine. Um, so that's what I would I would probably prescribe to other people is just pay attention to your internal dialogue when you're thinking about mistakes. It may help you make progress. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure, you know, sharing that with others is great. And part of sharing your experiences and your philosophies on how to deal with your experiences, it's 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 basically networking, right? It's basically in integrating people that you meet and and that you interact with. How important is that in just personal growth, business growth? How can networking be mutual, mutually beneficial for both parties involved? Okay. So, I mean, it has to be. Networking is about community development in my mind, 
right? It's, yeah. it isn't just a transactional thing, right? We're on a podcast that's run by a CP, a tax firm, audit firm, CPAs. I sell bookkeeping, right? There's a natural alignment between those two services, but there are philosophies that people have and approaches to business that people have that may make an obvious connection impossible to leverage. So I think networking and finding mutual benefit is really about getting to know people and getting to know their real approach and what their goals are. It's much bigger than just two business services coming together. Uh, it's much more personal than that. It takes time. I think for some people, that's an unfortunate realization. Networking is not an immediate solution to your sales problem, but it is a strong one if you give it time. So I hope I'm answering your question. If I'm not, I'm happy to try again. Well, how do you how do you know that it's working? What if you you know you're trying you're 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 building this network and it's just not beneficial for both parties? How do you know when it's ultimately a good working relationship or a good partnership? You know early, and it isn't necessarily through the exchange of business referrals, right? So one of the ways that I can identify a good partner, the first way is, do I like you? Like whether you like me or not is a whole nother question, but am I attracted to you because I think you're smart. I think you're yeah. funny. I like what you're doing. Uh, something about you, right? It's a, just a natural human thing. That's step one. I think when you're building a network, especially in this area, New York, New Jersey, there's so many people. You need to focus on the people that you really enjoy spending time with sure. because there are plenty of people. That's one. Two, look for people who are doing things the way you do it, right? There's people in my community who share a lot of content. They're active on LinkedIn. Maybe they have a YouTube channel. Well, when I discover that about a person, I'm excited because I know now I have things that I can support. If they're doing webinars, I can help them promote the webinar. If they're writing, I don't know, some blog or news articles and posting it on LinkedIn, I have the opportunity to support that. And that gives me an opportunity to stay top of mind with them and be part of their mission. And so for me, that is what I look for. I think for anybody, they need to look for people who are doing things the way they like to do things. Um, golf is a really good example, right? It's a common thing. Oh, you're in business. You must golf a lot. I do not <laughs> golf a lot. I do not like golf that much. I can play nine holes and be happy, but then I want to hit the bar. Um, other people on my network love golf. They play every day, several rounds a day. These are very successful people. They close a ton of business. I think you got to figure out what works for you and then go find people who are doing the same thing. And you, you talked about sharing other people's content. So cross promotion <laughs> is, is to me, it's especially in a content business, it's the biggest form of networking that I involve myself in. It's, you know, you share my content, I'll share your content. I'll come on your show. You come on my show. To me, that's in my industry, that's the biggest form of networking. So I would imagine, as you mentioned, you know, sharing somebody's LinkedIn post or even just sharing somebody's business cards with other people is almost a form of cross promotion. When you mentioned golf, all right, so now you're golfing with a group of, of people and somebody mentions, hey, we need a CPA, and, and you say, hey, I got this business card from somebody at CG. And, you give, and then somebody at CG is at a lunch and they say, I, you need a bookkeeper. And they say, you know what, I got Michael's business card, and they share that. I think that's one of the great ways that a network expands. Absolutely. I mean, you said it fast. That's... That's at the core of networking is, you know, finding a way to be top of mind 
with the people in your community so they can remember you. It's not easy. <laughs> you gotta, it's a full-time job, but if you do it well, it, it can help you become very successful in terms of new business acquisition for sure. All right. Supporting strategies. Let's talk about it. Tell me what goes on at supporting strategies, the services you offer to your clients, how you get involved with uh, someone that comes to you and, and needs help. Yeah. So supporting strategies, NYC, we are a franchise, right? So there's locations all over the country. We are outsourced virtual bookkeepers and controllers, right? So people come to us through our network. They all have the same goal. Their goal is to grow their business. This is the only people that hire us. No one is coasting in our uh, book of clients. The way that we are helping them do that most often, they're at one to five million in revenue. They have an, a set of accounting practices or a set of accounting software that is outdated or poorly leveraged. And they're looking for what they're really looking for is a clear view into their business which clients are productive, which projects are productive, which of my employees are productive, right? They're trying to maximize their profit and their revenue so that they can continue to grow. What we do, we supply them with a team of two bookkeepers, both have at least 10 years of experience. They come out of the controller seat of a business between 10 and 20 million in revenue. They know what accounting is meant to achieve and they help that client reorganize their system implement better software, create better reporting that helps them see their business the way they need to see it. Often our clients are working with other advisors, outsourced CFOs, business coaches, consultants, CPAs, all of whom need great bookkeeping. So we're right in lockstep with that team. We're communicating with everyone, both the client and their advisor, and just providing that foundational bookkeeping piece. So it's a very rewarding position to be in because it may not be glorious all the time, but we definitely help people grow and it's very exciting to do so. Yeah. And the scale of the businesses that you're working with are at that stage where they do need to outsource this, where it's not just working with it, you know, internally, they're, they're, they're growing beyond that. They, their challenge in that is really related to budget, right? If you mm -hmm. want a really solid internal accountant or a, like a controller bookkeeper or something, you're looking at 80 to $130,000. We have taken over the controller seat for some of these companies that were paying well over a hundred grand and we're doing the work for 65, right? So, and we're bringing good talent, yeah, which is critical. And I know, you know, the capacity in accounting is critical. We have excellent capacity. We have excellent facility for bringing in new team members when we need to, but we have 34 accounts that work for us. They're all W2. They're all here in the U S. And so if we do have a project that requires more oomph or horsepower, we can pull other members of the team in and really get things done quickly. It's, it's really nice to be able to come into a mess and clear it out and just set people on the right path. So during the, the, the pandemic, was, was anything halted or pretty much everything stayed steady because you're, you're mainly remote based anyway with these companies, right? Yeah. So Within our existing client base, everything was pretty steady. Our team mm -hmm. was already at home, all set up, no problems there. But I would say in terms of new business, it exploded. Well, yeah. Because, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I was a little nervous, right? The lockdown happened. I'm, I didn't have this set up yet. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this virtually. I don't know how. Um, 
but with PPP and other government, not only did our clients need more of our help, it actually exposed a lot of internal accountants who maybe weren't up to the task, right? As a business leader, if you're not an accountant, it can be very difficult to evaluate the skill set of an accountant. Well, a lot of these accounts were exposed and we were able to bring on a whole bunch of new clients that knew they needed better record keeping. And so we were very busy and we remain very busy. Well, yeah. that's good for you. Good. Congratulations, man. Uh, how can listeners find out more about yourself, about uh, the company and also about hard lessons? Look, the best place to find me is on LinkedIn, right? Michael Obather. There's literally two of us. One's in Ohio and there's me. <laughs> nice guy. So, <laughs> great guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you can find me on LinkedIn. I post all my hard lessons there. You can reach out to me. You can DM me if you want to talk. I'm always happy to connect with people. You know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking to yourself, you know what? I got a hard lesson I want to share. Please reach out. We'd love to have you be on. Uh, that's fantastic. Michael, I, I can't thank you enough for the time and the insight. Great information. And I hope to catch up with you again soon. Thank you so much for tuning into this special episode of the CG Business Advisor podcast brought to you by CG Tax Audit and Advisory. For more information about CG Tax Audit and Advisory, you can head to cgteam.com. We'll talk to you next time, possibly in normal podcast format right here on the CG Business Advisor.